Hello, and welcome to Shelf Confidence, a podcast brought to you by the Pennsylvania Food Merchants Association that focuses on trends and innovations in the food and beverage industry. I'm Erica Lobson, your host, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with one of the association's new members, Drymark. In 1991, Drymark Products became the original patent holder of the counterfeit detector pen, which rose to be the highest selling and most successful counterfeit detection product in the industry. Since then, Drymark has become a leader in the world of counterfeit detection, holding multiple patents for cutting edge detection technology. Drymark is also an American manufacturer producing multiple products like their detector pen in their Long Island, New York facility. Joining us today is Drymark's VP of Marketing and Sales, Mark Dobb, and Drymark's Business Development Manager, Dan Owen, as we discuss counterfeit detection. Is it even necessary and do consumers even use cash anymore? Well, welcome, Mark and Dan. Thank you. Thank you. We're uh, really excited to be here. Nice to meet you, Erica. Awesome to be here. Yeah, you too. So let's talk about counterfeit detection. We all have been at the store where the cashier does that old, hold the $100 bill up to the light or pulls out a pen to mark the bill. To give our listeners a little bit more background, what type of counterfeit detection is Drymark producing? Well, uh, Drymark, we've been in the business um, since 1991. We are the original patenters of that pen that you were talking about, the one that, you know, if you tender a 20 or a 50 to 7-Eleven and the the clerk whips out the pen, that's ours more than likely. Um, So we've been involved in counterfeit detection products at point to purchase uh, for 32 years now. So uh, that that was the beginning of it. And since that time, um, because counterfeiters are pretty smart, uh, some of them anyway, um, if they're really smart, they wouldn't be counterfeiting. They'd be doing something productive for a living. Um, but uh, we've developed a series of products um, uh, to uh, to defeat counterfeiters. The best efforts at uh, at, at, uh, at passing bad bills at uh, at the grocery stores and uh, uh, all different retail establishments. Yeah, that that's great. So. The first big question is, is counterfeit detection even necessary? I think you were getting to the answer there of, yes, it is. But can you tell us a little bit about how much counterfeiting is going on that the consumer might not even know about? Yeah. Um, go ahead, Dan. Uh, yeah. So um, obviously, you know, people are in today, right? I mean, you're looking at what happened with COVID, right? Where clearly more and more people are using touchless transactions, right? People are not using cash as nearly as often. And people know that cash isn't the most sanitary product as it is, but um, not everyone has the luxury of using just credit cards um, or an iPhone or some sort of electronic device that can help pass that off. So um, yes, most definitely there are a ton of people out there who are still using cash. Cash is still king. Um, You know, as we continue to battle counterfeiters and keep battling against this, right? You're seeing these counterfeiters develop new products, develop new ways of beating the system. And that's why Drymark has continuously found new ways to combat that as well. Yeah. Eric, I just want to add that, you know, yeah, I mean, it's clearly um, there is a trend away from using cash. Um, I have some statistics uh, about, about 30% of transactions 
in 2015, 16 were cash, and that's down to 20. But the um, issue, the issue is, is so, so it is, it is changing, you know, with Venmo and Zelle and uh, uh, these uh, touchless credit cards and um, and so forth. Uh, but there is still an enormous amount of cash transacted. Um, about half of small transactions, less than 10 bucks, are still done in cash. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, um, you know, the, the, the use of, of cash is concentrated in, you know, in certain, in certain demographics. Yeah, what are those demographics that are still using cash? I know I'm a millennial and I do have some cash in my wallet, which is not usual, but who is still using cash? Uh, yeah, Mark, you want to, you want to start us off, and then I'll jump in after. Yeah, um, you are unusual because uh, younger people tend to be less likely to carry cash. My daughter, I asked her for for a couple of bucks the other day to put a, to put a, a tip in a uh, in a uh, Starbucks, and she never has any money on her. She only uses credit cards. But the demographic for people who do use cash tend to be. Uh, in, in poorer areas, um, unbanked people, um, areas uh, in, in, in ur- urban uh, areas, and also um, people like me, senior citizens. So um, uh, we, you know, we just get out of the habit of, uh, of, uh, of using credit cards and use cash for a lot of transactions. I've always, I feel naked unless I got a couple hundred bucks with me, but uh, people look at me kind of cross-eyed. But these these areas uh, we're talking about under uh, underserviced areas, uh, poor areas. There's a lot of cash transacted. Yeah, and you know I lived in New York City slash Brooklyn for eight years, and during my early time while I was there, I was working as a server, a bartender. Um, so you you do have tons of people across the metropolitan city who are making a lot of cash. Right, they're making a lot of income off the books. Now, I would hope the cash that they're receiving from, and I would almost guarantee the cash they are receiving is legitimate U.S. currency, but um, it shows it's more about showing that there are a lot of people are still very dependent on it. And there's a very large population in the country who don't even have a bank account. Um, When I lived in Brooklyn, I was right next door to uh, a lower income, uh, you know, not as fancy of of a neighborhood. And there were countless places that were you know, uh, basically headline as verbatim, right? Checks for cash. And you had lines out the door of people going right to, to cash those checks for cash. And, you know, you always see people, it's especially in, in the metropolitan areas, you see people waving cash around more often than you probably should. So um, there's clearly a large amount of people who are straying away from cash transactions, but there's also no doubt that it's still very prevalent. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. That's a a good point to point out for our listeners. Um, So often, you know, we're in our own little bubbles of, you know, we might be cashless here or, you know, carry a lot of cash. So it's good to know how like other people outside of our bubble might uh, choose to spend their money. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and one last point too, I know this is something I always see. If you go to gas stations, right, you see very often uh, credit card price and then cash price. So now, of course, there's the option of using, I guess, a debit card, but clearly you can see there's a lower price with cash, meaning I'm sure a lot of these places would prefer to take cash. There's a lot of people who still wanted to take that. So, um, you know, all the signs are still pointing that it's still heavily used. 
Yeah, that's great. So do you think we're headed towards a cashless society or will certain businesses always be accepting cash? I, I doubt that we're headed toward a completely cashless society. I mean, there are other countries that are a bit ahead of us. Uh, the Northern European countries, um, England, Sweden, Norway, in fact, China uh, is getting more more cashless. But the United States, we're, we're a stubborn bunch. Um, and um, there are there are pockets which I, I just don't think uh, transactions are going to go away from cash. I think over the course of the next decade or two, we'll see a further uh, but moderate decline in the use of cash. Uh, but I don't think it's going away, not in this country. I, I, go ahead, Dan. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I, I completely agree. And, you know, we, you do see some, you know, retail establishments, fast food restaurants, right, where they'll have a sign out front. Uh, you know, we do not accept bills larger than a $20 bill. And so, you know, what I would say to that is, you know, is it a lack of, is it a lack of initiative or as it relates to taking higher denominations of currency? Is it a retail front saying we don't even want to bother or worry about a counterfeit issue potentially happening? And the problem is it's it's not just counterfeiting hundreds and fifties, right? Twenties are extremely common as well. And so my second question that I pose is, you know, what what's causing any establishment from not having some sort of device that helps combat currency? And 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 again, there's no denying that countless places are are cashless. You look at giant stadiums, Madison Square Garden, Yankee Stadium, they don't even take cash. And so I can understand, right? They have the luxury on that grand scale. You sort of know what you're getting into when you go somewhere like that. And sure, you know, COVID certainly helped push some of that agenda forward. But as some of the things we pointed out before, a majority of establishments still rely on direct cash flow. And to give you, for instance, with counterfeit, uh, we were just down in Georgia um, uh, addressing a, uh, a sister organization, uh, uh, the Georgia Food Industry Association, which is comprised of a lot of medium and small grocery chains. And I asked the question, how many of you guys have accepted a counterfeit bill recently? Uh, there were about 80 or so members in the audience, and almost everyone raised their hand. So um, despite the fact that, yeah, uh, credit cards and other payment methods are on the rise. Um, people are getting people are getting burned out there. And are those only the counterfeit bills they know they've accepted? Are they also accepting counterfeit bills that maybe they they haven't even caught on to yet? It's not likely that they did they won't catch them when they when they when they put them in the in the counting machines in the back. Okay. Um, money counting machines pick up counterfeits and they spit them out, or even if they miss them. Uh, when you submit your deposits to the bank at the end of the day, um, the banks have highly accurate counterfeit detection equipment, and they will deduct that right from your deposit. So it's a it's a, when you take counterfeit bill, basically you're on the hook for it. There's there's no there's no recourse unless you know you you have a camera system and you're and you're checking, um, and, uh, and and then pursue people. Uh, it's it's a it's it's a it's a straight loss to the bottom line. Yeah. That- that's not good. So how are these criminals even producing these these counterfeit goods? Dan, you want to explain about bleaching? Yeah, uh, sure. I'd love to. Um, so a- as you know, um, counterfeiters are certainly finding new ways to try and beat the system. And uh, one of the most common 
problems or that retail fronts or anyone is really facing today are something called bleached bills. And so counterfeiters basically will take a $1 bill, a $5 bill, a lower denomination bill. Um, and what they do is, is they bleach, they literally bleach the bill. And when they do that, they are wiping out a proprietary ink that U.S. currency uses, and it can only be found in Washington, D.C. Um, this same ink has been used for a long, long time. Um, and when they do that, they remove that ink. Uh, they can make the bill look you know, fantastic, perfect. But in doing so, they might be removing the watermark, right? Uh, the UV strip that's on it. So there are certain qualities to U.S. cash, especially the newer bills that are out. Um, but the bleaching, right, if the pen is not going to pick up on that. So the pen is going to basically, you know, you might have a clear amber mark, which indicates U.S. currency paper, but a dark a dark mark is going to mean the bill is probably counterfeit. But that's really testing uh, the paper stock. And so it's not really about uh, like the difference between that you can see with with the bleach bill. So Mark, if you want to chip in on that as well. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah basically the counter counterfeiters know that the, that a lot of people continue to use the pen. The pen is a test for paper and that paper stock um, is proprietary. And that's it, it, the, when the, the pen basically just as a chemical reaction with wood pulp paper. And there is no wood pulp paper in US currency stock. So they use a $1 bill, they'll, 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 they'll take the ink off and they'll reprint it with a 50 or 100. Uh, and it will defeat the pen. So Drymark has, over the years, developed a bunch of things to combat that bleed, that bill bleaching. And uh, we, we we use ultraviolet. Uh, we'd use a, an ink sensor test in some of our products. And uh, these are fast and fast and effective tests, which can be used right at the point of purchase to prevent you from getting a bad bill. Okay. But yeah, and that's and then of course you know there's there's there. There's lots of ways that, that that counterfeit is made. I mean, there are some very sophisticated um, techniques which involve actual actual engravings and printing presses and so forth. Most counterfeit is casual, which is done in people's uh, on people's laser printers or ink, inkjet printers, and those bills are easily picked up uh, by most most the most common counterfeit detection methods. Yeah, and and Erica, you'll see some people. It might be so poorly used, people will order you know, money that's used in films, right? I mean, you can order off Amazon and it says for literally on the bill in small writing, it says at the bottom, like only, you, you know, not for real or professional use, right? It's it's stating that it is fake cash and even that gets passed through and, you, and, and you'd be amazed that sometimes, you know, depending on the cashier, I mean, you don't know, it, it could be someone, it could be someone in high school working a part-time job at the supermarket. It could be someone from college. It could be you know, someone a little older in age, right? Maybe they just don't even look at it. They're just going about their day. So it's, you know, the stuff can squeak through. And um, as it pertains to some of our products, right, as as the counterfeiters are getting smarter, at least some of them, we're doing the same. And that's, you know, especially as it relates to the bleach bill, um, we have our, our flash test device, which is, you know, one of our top sellers and, and something we're really excited about. And we will tell, you know, the staff that, hey, we have this test on here, which tests the magnetic properties on the bill, and it takes under a second to do. And it's just a quick swipe on a concentrated spot of that ink. And then when it flashes green and makes the little noise, you know it's real. So it's quick. 
efficient, easy to use. It's discreet in terms of the size of the product as well. So uh, for as much as we want, and you know, everyone wants to try and catch this money, we also don't want to, you know, we're trying to create as seamless of a problem, a seamless of a problem as well, because we want it, we don't want to put anyone on the spot. You want it to be easy to use and easy to digest. Well, I was just thinking about one thing you said there that, um, you know, if someone handed me a 20, I wouldn't investigate it too much. I would just, you know, if I was a cashier, just put it in the drawer. A 20 is a 20, but taking that closer look to see that, um, you know, it's made for movie sets or, or not, you know, consumer use. That's just wild to me. Are these uh, kind of the range of bills? You said 20s, 50s. And hundreds. And hundreds. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the biggest problem with retailers and counterfeit is that it's it, it's it, it can be an inconvenience and it's difficult to integrate counterfeit detection into the everyday activities of a cashier. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to inconvenience the cashier. You don't want to inter- you don't want to make it uh, to slow down a line. If you if you own a food store and you've got a line of people at the cash register, you don't want to slow that process down. So you want something that's really quick. And a lot of retailers opt to not do anything and just take the bad bills and take their losses. Um, but it's been our objective as a company to, to make point of purchase products for counterfeit detection, which don't interfere with the everyday duties of a cashier and don't inconvenience customers. Um, so uh, that's, that's why we, we invented the counterfeit detector pen. And that's why we continue, uh, like Dan was saying, the, our new flash test product, which is a very small, inconspicuous product that you can just lay next to the cash register and a cashier can check a bill in about a half a second. It doesn't slow anything down. It doesn't embarrass the customer. Um, and um, it's generally speaking, it's about a $50 item. So if you catch two bad bills a year, uh, it pays for itself. People believe me are catching a lot more than that with these devices. Yeah. How much counterfeit cash is still in circulation? Depends who you talk to. Uh, the official source for this information is the Secret Service. Secret Service is in charge of counterfeits. It's a, straight, it's a long story, which I'm not going to get into, but that's the agency of the government that's in charge of, of, uh, of police and counterfeiting. They say there's a, at any given time, there's roughly $200 million in circulation. But that is a, a suspect number. First of all, they have a vested interest in pressing that number down because they don't want to um, impugn the good name of the dollar. And of course, if there's you know billions of dollars in counterfeit uh, floating around the globe, it makes people lose faith in the in the, in the in the currency. So their incentive is not to to overestimate it, but to but to underestimate it. The truth is that nobody really knows because at any given time a, a foreign government can start to to um, to to print US money like Iran did in the 1990s. So there's no way to know for sure. Uh, but there's enough that everyone raised their hand when I was in Georgia. So uh, if you talk to just about any retailer um, that uh, it's a member of the organizations, um, the, the organization that you represent, um, I, I don't think you're going to find anyone that's not taking some counterfeit, some losses in counterfeit money. Yeah. Wow. And, and Eric, I, I, you know, I can add to that too. Um, you know, we we recently I, I can't actually for legal purposes, I, I can't name the chain, the store, but uh, we recently did a test trial run um, with our flash test at a, a selection of stores um, who were having counterfeit issues. They basically corporate picked 
a group of these stores that they were having problems with, and they were sort of concentrated in one area. And we went in and we installed the flash test devices. We taught the staff how to use it, you know, kind of gave them the full rundown. Um, and uh, about a month and a half, two months later, we went back in to follow up, check in, see how things were going. And one of the locations that I was at, and again, I, I can't speak to the full validity of it, but one of their staff members said they caught uh, close to $8,000 in two months. And, th- and that is just wild to me. And then since they started catching it there, one of his friends who was a store manager less than a mile up the road, they noticed at their store, the counterfeit cash that was being used was going down and up the road, they were getting absolutely hammered. So what you'll see is when a store has a solid product that they can, that they can use to catch this cash and their staff is informed, right? They've included it into their routine. Very often, the counterfeiters, they just start moving to the next to the next one. So you'll see a decrease in one and then it'll, the hot spots will increase in another. So it's a direct correlation. Mm. Wow. So yeah, these machines sound like they're definitely paying for themselves very quickly in some of these stores and some of these locations. Yeah, they yeah. sure are. You know, the, the, the lesson for retailers is do something. Because if you do nothing and somebody else is, 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 is taking precaution, you're the one who's going to get hit. Uh, so there should be some procedure at the register for, for clerks to, to do that gives them some confidence about whether or not they're taking bad bills and it protects your store. And um, you don't want to be the, the one who's doing nothing. And uh, like Dan said, uh, someone go, you know, the, the counterfeiter picks up, comes to, comes over to your store because he knows the people down the block are using some kind of some kind of product, which is, uh, you know, intended to to uh, to thwart them. Uh, yeah. So are there other items being counterfeited as well as cash? Sure. I mean, uh, recently I've heard um, about a lot of people passing some uh, bad checks. None of our products um, are are particularly suited toward that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's counterfeit merchandise, you know, uh, but uh, um, our company specializes in in the in the paper currency, paper currency counterfeiting. Yeah, and and even you know you're talking about you know state you know identification um, licenses and and IDs. Um, there's a lot of fake IDs you know going around. Obviously, you do have you know, younger kids, high school, college kids, right? I mean, they're in the party scene. They're trying, you, I need, need I explain what they're using the IDs for to buy, you know, to buy alcohol. And so certainly fake IDs are, are very common out there. And, you know, state IDs all have, you know, pertaining to each state specific UV and white light features um, that can also be picked up on a lot of our devices as well. Yeah, we make a little flashlight, uh, an ultraviolet flashlight called uh, the UV Pro, and that is really great. Um, it's compact. It's really great for bartenders, uh, for people people in convenience stores and grocery stores that are selling beer, uh, just to, to check and make sure those IDs are authentic. So, okay, awesome. So they just sign it on the on the ID, and some of those um, insignias will light up and that tells them that that's a valid ID. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. okay. Again, I'm looking at my ID right now and I do like 
faintly see some keystones and some circles and some um, letters that would light up. So that's really, that's really awesome to hear that you guys have something like that too. Yeah. And, and it, you know, our products, it gives a, right, just better usage, right? They can use it for more than one purpose. So, um, you know, you're talking about having it at a register, the need to check an ID, um, something like the UV Pro or our flash test has the ability to check both. Um, but if it's one or the other, you're still getting a benefit as well. That's great. So Drymark is one of the newest members of the Pennsylvania Food Merchants Association. What encouraged you guys to join? We, um, we're always looking for, uh, for retailers that, um, that, that might have some use for our products. And um, the, uh, you know, with COVID, uh, and business travel being down, um, we're, we are always looking for ways to make contact with prospective customers. And uh, so we, we have uh, we've been concentrating uh, on um, these local trade trade groups and trade associations with memberships uh, that have you know multiple multiple units, like a lot of, a lot of the P, uh, PFMA members. Uh, so we uh, you know we we find this to be a great way to to, uh, to get in touch with retailers that might be able to use our products. Yeah. And, you know, to add on to that, you know, there are there are countless trade shows, festivals, big, big events, you know, where some of the biggest heavy hitters in the game are, are going to attend. And, you know, Drymark, we're, we're, we're not the biggest company, but you know, we do have a, a rather big footprint, especially in the security and counterfeit, you know, detection scene. And so attending, you know, PFMA, some of these smaller conferences, it, it gives us the ability to have more. I think of an intimate relationship, really, you know, speak to some of these folks who maybe they don't have a solution for it or they haven't, or they have something and it's not working properly. So it allows us to really be seen and thrive and, and in turn, hopefully make it, make a positive impact. Well, that's great. We are so excited to have you on board. Mark and Dan, I want to thank you for joining us today. I learned a lot about counterfeit detection and I'm sure our listeners did too. Thank you for sharing all of your knowledge with us. We're excited to have you as members of the association. Well, thanks, Eric. It's a pleasure to be a part of this. We really we really enjoyed our participation at the show and we enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, I awesome. second, second that emotion. Really, it was a pleasure chatting with you. And uh, hopefully, you know, anyone who's dealing with any issues out there or was unfamiliar with some of the things that are going on, hopefully this was a, a little food for thought, get some people thinking and hopefully save a little cash down the, down the line. It sounds like save a lot of cash. I sure hope so. <laughs> Stay tuned for more great self-confidence episodes this season. If you enjoyed self-confidence, please subscribe and share. Thanks for listening.